Hey, so seriously, we're excited about this series. And I wanted just to kind of break the ice there and let you know that this isn't going to be a weird hoaxy series where we're going to tell you some kind of secret formula that's going to make you be healed and completely rid your life of any problems altogether. Um, But we believe wholeheartedly that the Bible teaches that our God is a healer and that there's healing available for those who place their faith in him and that he makes available for us an experience to step into a reality that's free from a lot of the pain and a lot of the hurt and a lot of the sickness that we live each and every day of our life with. And so we simply want to take three weeks and we want to talk about the fact that Jesus is our healer, the fact that he desires for us to experience his best for us. And so no like secret formulas and we're not asking for money for anything in exchange. Uh, There's nothing weird going to happen in this series. So just relax and and sit down. Maybe you've been invited to a healing service before and and maybe you didn't have the best experience and maybe it was a little weird for your taste. Uh, This isn't that. And so I just want to kind of set your expectations there. Um, I do want to say that on the 29th of September, which is uh, the third week of this series, two Sundays from today, uh, we're going to have a special focus time of communion and prayer specifically for, for people who need healing. Um, and uh, you probably don't know this, some of you do, uh, but we've got a group of people at our church that are actually fasting and praying specifically that on that day uh, there will be people who are sick, there will be people who need healing that will be made whole. And, um, you know, I read scriptures probably like you do, And I read a lot of accounts of these supernatural God-sized miracles that happens in people's lives. And so many times, I don't experience those firsthand. And just because I don't experience those firsthand doesn't mean that God doesn't desire to do something supernatural in my life. And so we're just dedicating a couple of weeks to saying, God, if you have any supernatural plans for my life, if you can rid my life of any pain or hurt or discomfort, weariness, depression, then we're inviting you to do that and we're going to kind of set the table and ask him to do it. Let me tell you where the idea for this series uh, really came for us to to host this. Um, God speaks to me a lot when I'm cutting grass for some reason and I was cutting grass a couple, actually about a month ago and just felt impressed to do a series about God's healing power. Um, Specifically because... um, I'm in a place in life right now where i have not questioning God about some stuff, but um, my dad has been going through life with some sickness. And for the last six years, back in 2007, he started experiencing uh, a pain in his back, which ultimately, if you know my dad, if you've been around him, uh, led to him walking with a limp. Um, to some extent, it's not completely drastic and it's not like life inhibiting. He can still get around, but... Uh, For the last seven years, six to seven years of of his life, he's been experiencing life that I think would be subpar for what God would want for him. And and I really feel like part of his life's been stolen from him. Uh, He he can't really run around with his grandkids, and he can't uh, really do a lot of the things that he once did. And and we've kind of been heavy-hearted about this for some time, but a couple of weeks ago... uh, he experienced some, some pretty bad pain and went to the doctor and ultimately went to the neurologist and found out through some MRIs that um, he had some discs in his neck that were actually reshaping his spinal cord and it was really a pretty serious um, situation. Doctors said if nothing would have been done 
about it, then he would potentially end up um, paralyzed towards the end of his life. And, and so he had to undergo surgery 10 days ago. He went through uh, pretty serious neck surgery. And uh, he's here today. We're really excited that he's on the backside of that. But we've just been kind of praying and asking God to heal him, you know, that he would experience life like he did before this started in his body. And then uh, really the icing on the cake on top of that that's really had our hearts heavy about uh, six to eight weeks ago, um, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And I uh, don't like freak out those of you that know him and don't know about this. It's not like terminal. He hasn't been given an uh, a life sentence, so to speak. Um, it's treatable. It's the best kind of cancer to have. Uh, one of the best kind of cancers, if there's a good kind of cancer to have. Um, but his, his grandfather actually died of the same type of prostate cancer. And um, so our hearts have just been heavy. My dad, I believe, is one of the most godly men I know. And uh, we've been asking God to heal him. That God would take away this sickness, this disease, this cancer, this limp, this uh, reshaping of his spinal cord, these discs, and, and give him a brand new life and let him experience the joys of, of having great health. And the more that we began to pray about it, really, the more I began to kind of question in and of myself, well, maybe God just isn't going to heal him and maybe, you know, he's just going to have to live like this. I mean, the apostle Paul prayed three times for the Lord to take a thorn from his flesh and he had a sickness that he just lived with. And maybe this is just dad's kind of roll of the dice. And the more I just kind of started having that attitude and that heaviness, the more I just felt like God was saying to me in my spirit, like, rise up, and be a man about this and, and pray and ask me for supernatural things and see what I won't do in your life. And so I began praying huge prayers, massive prayers that God would just do something supernatural and, and touch my dad. Now, it's not like a sob story for you to think about me. I know that you have your own stories. And I know that uh, for the last two weeks, I've, I've been to the hospital on three different occasions because three people in our church have had pretty serious surgeries and procedures and there's a lot of people sick in our church and for our church to be so young um, I just feel like there's a lot of people dealing with a lot of things dealing with lost family members people have been living with depression for years and struggling with anxiety and different disorders that they carry around we have people whose family members have received worse news than my dad who have been given terrible, terrible news that has just been life-shattering. And I know that you have a story. I know that we all have stories. And I know that because you have a story, you've experienced some pain, some sickness. And if you haven't, you will. Because this life we live in isn't perfect. And so I thought, why don't we take a couple of weeks and just go to God's Word and ask Him to speak to us as a church about this topic of healing and just declare together that we believe He's our healer and ask him specifically to do some just supernatural, God-sized things that only he can take the credit for. I don't know about you, sometimes I pray prayers, and when the prayers are answered, I kind of can see how they were answered like in a natural way, and sometimes I forget that God was kind of working things to get to that end. And I forget like God is moving and God does incredible things for us. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants the best for us. And so that's what this series is. So no strings attached. We're not asking for money in exchange for anything. We just want you to know that, that Jesus is your healer. And, and we're going to kind of talk today about our approach to healing. Uh, 
there's, there's a lot of crazy, crazy teachings when it comes to healing. And uh, some people have complete healing ministries. We love that. We believe that that belongs in the body of Christ, that God has gifted people with spiritual gift of healing and that that's some people's DNA and culture and that's what they're going to do. But we believe that there's also some false teaching and some unhealthy approaches to healing. And so we want to kind of start with scripture and just understand a little of what God has for us today. Our theme verse that we're going to look at every week, I hope you'll memorize it with me, Isaiah chapter number 53, starting in verse number five. Um, I would like for us, if it's okay, uh, it's going to be on the screen. If you have a Bible, you can see it there. We're in the New International Version of the Scripture. But can we just read this together? Uh, read with me out loud. Let's just say it. Uh, we're going to read it twice, and then I'm going to give you some homework and ask you to go home and, and maybe memorize this Scripture. Read this with me. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Now let's read it one more time, and you're familiar with it now. Let me hear your voice. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Say, we are healed. One more time. We are healed. When Jesus died on the cross, this was the prophet Isaiah prophesying hundreds of years before that would happen of the impact that that event would have on humanity. That there was a transfer that took place when Jesus hung on a cross, when he died a, a brutal Roman crucifixion death in our place uh, that transferred our shame and our iniquities and our transgressions and our sins and our sickness and all the things that we couldn't carry in life, he took upon himself when he died on that cross. And he was pierced for us. He was, he was crushed for us. And the punishment that, that we owed was upon his shoulders and by his wounds. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Passion of the Christ, which probably doesn't do complete justice to what Jesus endured. But the wounds, the many wounds of Jesus, he suffered so that we would be healed. Scripture doesn't say that by his wounds, some versions say by his stripes, it's possible for you to be healed or you might be healed. It says we are healed. And so some people are longing for something that they're already, something's already available to them. And it's almost like this reads like we are healed and we're searching for something out there, but we just need to stand in what Jesus has already done for us. No, no like hokey teaching, but just Jesus died for you and for me. And there's healing in placing our faith in that. There's healing in standing in the reality that Jesus endured scorn and shame for us. And part of that, I believe, is, is physical and spiritual and emotional and financial and relational healing that's available to us. So I, want, I want to share one more scripture with you. Psalm chapter 103 Verses 1 through 3, this is the psalmist King David that is writing this. And I want you to listen uh, to his words. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You know, there's benefits for following the Lord. We don't follow the Lord for the benefits, but when we follow the Lord, there are definite benefits. And, and let's read what two of them are. 
who forgives all your sins, that in and of itself takes a load off of our shoulders, that he heals, that he forgives all of our sins. But then it goes on to say, and he heals all your diseases. He heals your, your head colds and, and he heals your broken ankles and he heals your prostate cancer and he heals your issues that you have in this life. None too big, none too small. All your diseases, the Lord, who's worthy of our praise, makes healing available to us. In the New Testament, there's actually 31 accounts of individuals or small groups of individuals receiving healing from Jesus. And in a three-year ministry period for Jesus, he went around healing people. In 31 accounts, we hear of, of Jesus opening blinded eyes and and making the mute speak, and the deaf hear, and the lame walk. He even raised the dead back to life. There were, Peter's mother-in-law had a fever, and, and Jesus prayed for her, and her fever broke. If there were 31 accounts where Jesus healed individuals, and then on top of that, there's at least 22 other accounts that mention mass healings that Jesus was involved with. The scripture will say that he went throughout the different regions, preaching and teaching and healing all the sick. And that we would have understood that Jesus' ministry would have involved his healing touch. That there is no doubt about if you believe that scripture is not fiction, that you believe that there is reality and truth in God's word, that Jesus was a healer. This wasn't an ordinary man. This was the son of God living his life in the flesh and and part of his ministry and what he made available was helping hurting people. And he had a heart for that. He had a heart for finding people whose lives were in shambles and, and who had nowhere to turn and whose lives were upside down. And, and he would bring hope and strength and joy into their life. And they would experience healing, supernatural healings, healings that you couldn't explain, healings that the doctor would be dumbfounded by, that MRI results and x-rays would show proof that there is no way possible that these things would have happened to these different people. And, and sometimes Jesus would heal people through the faith of family members and friends who were standing for sick people. And I think of Jairus' daughter who came to Jesus and Jesus went and healed because someone loved someone enough to come to Jesus and ask him for healing. It wasn't all Jesus did. He he taught and he preached. He cast out demons. But part of his ministry was physical healing for people who needed it. And, and I love what Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if Jesus in his earthly ministry healed people, if that's what he did, if over 50 times we read accounts of Jesus healing people, a lot of these healings confirmed in multiple gospels, meaning different people told the same story, there's validity there, then there's no reason we should think that he doesn't still heal today. And there's no reason to think that if you're going through life with something that's simple as something that's nagging or something that's fatal as cancer that you can't go to Jesus and ask him for healing and receive a healing that he's already paid the price for on Calvary's hill. And so we as a church need to stand in that and stand firm in that. We believe that Jesus is a healer, but 
When Jesus ascended to the Father and he sent his spirit to empower the disciples and they went out, we also read where they performed miracles and there were people healed through them. In over 20 accounts, we see that Jesus' disciples, over 17 accounts actually, where Jesus' disciples were involved with healing sick people. In Acts chapter number 5, we read where Peter would walk down the street in just the shadow of Peter. The, the same Peter who denied Jesus is now the same Peter that's walking down the street and his shadow as he's walking would, would fall on people. And they would line the streets with sick people and as he would walk by, his shadow would fall on people and they would be healed, they would be made whole. He wouldn't, he wouldn't like say long prayers for them, he just simply walked down the road and he possessed such an empowering of God's spirit that people experienced a physical healing just at him walking down the road in his shadow hitting them. And I believe that when Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that one of the gifts of the Spirit is the gift of healing, that there is still available to the body of Christ today a healing virtue, a healing experience that we can receive from Jesus. I've been praying specifically that God would give me the gift of healing. I mean, how cool would it be for people to be prayed for by you and then recover? How cool would it be for someone who's on a deathbed to raise up and receive new life because you laid hands on them and you prayed for them. And then James in the New Testament teaches us as a church that we're to pray for sick people, that we're to call the elders of the church together, we're to anoint the sick with oil, and we're to believe and pray together that they would recover, that they would receive healing. Healing is, is not a thing of the past. And if you're here, if you know someone, if if there's someone in your life that needs to be healed, I want to I give you some hope. And I want us to stand and believe together in the next couple of weeks that they're going to receive that healing. And I'm not talking about like a, a hopeful, like, well, maybe it'll happen. But I want to ask us just to be bold and firm and just even say it out loud. I can even tell them, I'm praying for you to be healed and you're going to be healed. And, and let's just see what would happen. But today what I want to do is I want to go to John chapter 5 and I want to read... One of the healings that Jesus was involved with, uh, a man that was lame at the pool of Bethesda. We're going to read this account. And I want to share with you three approaches that we should have when it comes to receiving healing from God so that we'll not be embracing any kind of false teachings when it comes to that. John chapter number five. We're going to start reading in verse number two. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. So there was this pool. It was covered by these pillars which would hold up a roof, almost like tent-like structures. And there would be sick people lying around this pool. Verse 3, it says, Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the disabled, the lame, the paralyzed. Um... Early manuscripts don't include verse 4. So if you're reading along in your Bible, uh, you're going to notice that there's not a verse 4. Uh, it's probably in the footnote. If you're reading the King James Version, it's there. Uh, some early manuscripts didn't include verse 4, but I think it's helpful for the context of the story, so I want to read it to us. Um, 
it says, from time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. And the first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. There was this pool, sick people all around it. An angel would come down and stir the waters of the pool. And the first person into the pool would be cured of whatever disease that they would have. And so these sick people would long for the angel to come and stir the water and they would hope to be the first one in so that they could be restored, so that they could be healed, so that they could receive a life free from what they've been living with. Verse number five, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. He was paralyzed, he was lame, lied on a mat, couldn't walk, couldn't move. For 38 years, he had been living with that condition. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? That seems like a pretty rhetorical question, doesn't it? You've been lame for 38 years. You've been at this pool hoping for healing. Why would you be at this pool if you weren't hoping to be healed? It's just unfortunate that you've been like this for 38 years and this man that you don't know comes to you and he says, excuse me, sir, notice that you're lying here with the other sick people by the pool. Do you want to be made well? I'm like, dude, who are you? Of course I want to be made well. You think I'm just out here trying to get a tan? Yeah, I'm at the pool because I want to be made well. I want to be healed. I think it's interesting that Jesus asked that question. I don't think he asked him because he didn't know the answer. I think he asked him because he wanted this man to understand what he was about to offer him. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now this just tops it all here. A man for 38 years paralyzed and he can see an opportunity to be healed. But every time the angel comes and stirs the water and every time there's an opportunity for him to receive healing, he has no one to help him into the pool. I've just committed myself that as much as I can possibly, I don't want anyone to go through life saying, I have no one to help me into the pool. I want, I want to be there to help people into the pool. I want to be there to help people receive healing. But this man, he had nothing. And Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? And all he could focus on was his situation. If you've been given a bad report, if you've experienced a, healing, uh, a need for healing, if you've experienced a depression that lasts and an anxiety, that these things that last with us for a lifetime, you know how huge these obstacles can be in our lives. So many times we might hear someone say there's healing available, but we can't see past our situation. And all this man saw was, listen, dude, for 38 years, I've been in this condition. And every time that it's, every time the water stirred and I have an opportunity to be healed, I, I got nobody to help me. And I try, I try to get in, but every time someone gets in ahead of me and I see them receive something that I've longed for, for 38 years, it's just not going to happen. You can almost sense this attitude like, you know, what, are you going you gonna to help me in? You going to help me in? Or are you going to leave me like everyone else has? I mean, who are you? And this man in this condition, 
Verse number eight, then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Now, a couple things we need to talk about here. First of all, there would have been a lot of people there that day. Okay? There would have been a lot of people who would have been around this pool waiting for an opportunity to be cured. Been waiting for the waters to be stirred by an angel, trying to get into the water as quick as they can because they wanted to receive healing. And Jesus comes in the midst of a lot of people who need healing, and he finds one man who's been in that condition for 38 years. And he says to one man, get up, take your mat, walk. He offers healing to one man. Yet there would have been many, many more that he could have easily said, hey, all of you, get up, walk. You don't need the water. You don't need an angel to come stir anything. I'm the son of God. I'm here to heal you. But he didn't. He didn't. And I can remember praying for my grandmother who passed away from cancer. I remember praying, God, heal her. You know, take this awful cancer that's eating up her insides and heal her for this. I can remember praying for people to experience a healing throughout my ministry who passed away, who died, who didn't receive healing. And you say, well, if Jesus is a healer, if there's so much healing, why do people in my life that I pray for not receive healing? And, and here's, here's my best answer for you. I don't have a clue. I don't know. I'm not Jesus. I don't, I don't know why Jesus chooses not to heal everyone, and there's no guarantee in Scripture that he will. And we can pray for people, and we can pray for people, and we can pray for people till we're blue in the face. And there's just going to be some people that Jesus doesn't heal. It's just not in their life story. It's just not how he designed their life. And for whatever reason, Jesus picked out one man that needed healing in the midst of a bunch of people that needed healing. And he spoke to one man, receive healing. I think there's two negative beliefs that go with this truth and this reality. Some people say, well... Jesus doesn't heal because he didn't heal my grandmother, so he's not a healer. And you need, you need to just, as painful as it is to endure sickness and to have someone close to you endure sickness, you just need to kind of put that out of your mind and say, just because Jesus didn't heal my family member or me doesn't mean he doesn't heal at all. It's not, a, it's not an end all. Just because he didn't heal someone in your life doesn't mean he's not a healer. I don't know why he didn't heal. It's one of the first questions I'll ask him when I meet him. And I'm sure he's got a great answer. But I can't explain it. I don't know. But then there's another train of thought that surrounds this fact that some people don't receive healing from the Lord. And this set of teaching places the fault on the person who needs healing. It says, well, you just didn't have enough faith. It's your fault. Like you didn't receive what Jesus made available to you, so you know, stop complaining. You should have had more faith. You should have believed better. You should have received. You didn't do what it took to receive what Jesus had for you, so it's your fault. And I want to say to you, if you struggle with that, if you embrace that, if you've been taught that, that that's it's a lie from the enemy. Jesus involves your faith in receiving healing, but... He's just not going to heal everybody. And I can explain it. I don't know why, but for us to teach 
and put the responsibility of a lack of healing on a hurting person, I think is damning for their soul's condition. This is not true. It's just not true to say to people that Jesus that day didn't go up and heal them, that didn't tell them to rise and walk away. It's not, it's not fair. It's not right. It's not just to go to them and say, well, you know, if, if you'd have had more faith, then Jesus would have done that for you. Because how much faith did this guy have? This guy didn't know Jesus. This guy hadn't been going to Bible studies and like reading up on the healing virtue of Jesus and he hadn't been praying the right prayers and he hadn't been saying the right things. This man was just in a terrible condition and Jesus had mercy on him, had compassion on him and spoke a word of healing into his life and he received it. We're going to talk more about this next week, but I just wanted to kind of let you know just because Jesus didn't heal someone for you doesn't mean that he's not a healer and just because Jesus didn't heal someone for you doesn't mean it's your fault. Fact is, Jesus is sovereign and he's God and he's going to do what he's going to do. And we just seek him as best we can. So Jesus says to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and walked. He had been for 38 years in this condition and he had been looking for an opportunity to get into a pool to receive healing. And he was looking all in the wrong places. And there came this man named Jesus who simply spoke a word to him. And he received what he had longed for for years, I'm sure, in an instant, in a moment. And his life was forever changed. And he supernaturally was cured, was healed of this disease that had plagued him. Now, the day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. <laughs> Can you imagine someone telling you that? Like you for 38 years haven't walked and it's the Sabbath and Jesus comes and says to you, hey man, get up, walk, you're healed. And these Jewish religious leaders say to you, hey, it's the Sabbath. Don't carry your mat. You can't be doing that. Man, no, this dude was like, dude, for 38 years, I've been waiting for this moment. You know, forget your little rules. This man just made me walk and I'm walking and he didn't care anything about it. Here's Here's the problem that the Jews had. The Jews would take like legit commands from God and they would superimpose their own laws over them just to protect God's laws. Let me, let me, let me give you a, an example so that you can understand what was going on here. Um, it would be sinful for me to have an inappropriate relationship with someone of the opposite sex, okay? My wife would kill me, I would die, but aside from that, that would be inappropriate, okay? That would be sinful for me to have any type of sexual or emotional ongoing relationship with someone that's a female other than my wife, okay? That's sinful. Because that's sinful and I don't want to allow myself to get to a place to allow that to have a stronghold in my life, I have kind of superimposed a rule on myself that, that simply says I don't ride in cars alone with females. I don't, I don't go to lunch and sit alone with just females in a private place. I don't talk on the phone extended periods of times to females about things that aren't necessary. I don't, I don't like call girls and just say, hey, how's your day going? You know, what's going on with you today? How was work? Okay, I don't, I don't do that, okay? Is it sin for me to ride in a car? Like the scriptures say, thou shalt not ride in a car with a female that's not your wife. No, it doesn't. 
I've superimposed my own rule because I want to protect myself from sin. That's what the Jews were immaculate at. And they would make rules upon rules upon rules because they wanted to guard legit principles. But Scripture never said you can't carry your mat on the Sabbath. Okay? But this was a rule that had been superimposed. And when someone has experienced healing, all they could see was, dude, you're breaking the law. Like, what's your deal? Like, there's no joy. There's no... Hey, aren't you guy that's the guy that was for 38 years? Like, haven't you been paralyzed? Like, you're walking. Like, none of that's like, no. Mm-mm. Put that mat down. What are you? And it's like, <laughs> does healing not mean anything to you? And so they ask him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? Verse 13, the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. He didn't even know who healed him. He just knew that there was some man that told him to, to get up. He was instantly healed. He felt something different in his body, and he stood up, and he began to walk away. Verse 14, so later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Now stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. It's an interesting, interesting verse of Scripture that some people take and place blame for sickness again on the person that's sick. That Jesus says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And some people would say, well, the reason you're in the condition you're in is because sin is in your life. When in fact, Jesus is more interested in the heart condition of a person than he is the physical condition of a person. And he met a physical need in the person. And now he was simply speaking to a heart condition. He was saying, you know, it was nothing for me to heal you, but I really want for you to experience a spiritual healing. I really want you to be made whole, not just healthy. I really want you to experience new life and, and stop living in the ways that you've been living in and, and be a changed person and not just walk in a different way. Jesus isn't saying here that if you're sick, it's because you have sin in your life. Though, obviously, there are consequences of sin which could lead to sickness. So I want us to talk about real quickly three, three approaches that I think that we should have when it comes to receiving healing from Jesus. If you're sick, someone in your family's sick, you've got a friend that's sick, someone who needs a healing touch, there's three things that I believe we need to embrace. Number one, I believe that we need to pray to the God that can heal us. You need to pray to the God that can heal you. You need to have a heart conviction that Jesus is a healer. You need to believe with everything that's in you that Jesus can heal, that he's got the power to heal, that he can meet any need that you could ever present to him, and you need to pray to him that he'll do it. Okay, You don't, you don't need to like try to be like, am I going to be the one that he is going to heal or am I going to be the one that he's not going to heal? And you don't have to like try to figure that out before you start praying. You just need to assume, hey, I'm sick, I need to be healed, and there is a God in heaven that I'm promised in Scripture is a healer. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask with everything that's in me for him to heal me. And you need to have faith that he will. And you need to pray like he's going to. I think so many times people try to figure out the end before they begin. 
And they, they get defeated. They get defeated and say, well, he didn't heal so-and-so, and I prayed for so-and-so, and they didn't get healed, and so I'm not going to pray. The first thing you need to do if you're sick, if you need to be ill, is you need to pray to the God that can heal you. Okay? There's things that we can do in this world, in this life, to get, you know, help in our sicknesses. But the first thing that we need to do is we need to pray to the God that can heal us. The second thing we need to do is we need to actively expect that he will heal you. And I, I said this this way intentionally, that we need to actively expect that he will. So we're sick. We have an infirmity. We have a sickness. We have an emotional hurt pain. We have a financial hurt pain. We, we have room for healing, and we pray to the God that can heal us. And then we need to actively expect that he will, which means... We don't simply avoid opportunities for God to heal us. There's a lot of people that say, you know, if you're sick and you're praying for God to heal you and you go to the doctor, then that's a lack of faith. And so God's not going to heal you because you went to the doctor and you're proving that you don't have faith that he's going to heal you because you're going to a man for a man to heal you instead of going to God for God to heal you. And so I don't care if you have terminal cancer or I don't care if you've got a broken arm. You just need to pray that God will heal you and you need to stay away from those doctors because those doctors are simply an alternate to God's healing. And what you're doing is you're expressing a lack of faith in God to heal you. Let me tell you what happened Friday night. I was up at my grandparents' house. We were up visiting uh, dad and the family got together. We were eating around the table and I look over at my grandfather. He's sitting in his chair at the head of the table like he always does and I noticed his face was kind of red and he was, <clears throat> he was trying to clear his throat. And I looked down and I looked back up and I was like, I said, Papa, are you okay? <clears throat> and he had, he had started choking and it was like he went for a glass and he was going to try to wash it down and he just got like to that panic mode, you know, where he just like set his glass down and he stood up and he was like, he was like saying, somebody help me. Now, now here's what I could have done. It's okay, Papa, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe that God's going to heal you from, from choking. And I could have said, Lord Jesus, I pray by your power and a demonstration of your Holy Spirit that you would just clear this obstacle from his esophagus and make his air flow down into his lungs and just expel this foreign object in the name of Jesus. And I pray by your power and your might, you would let it be so even now. And he probably would have died. I, I've never experienced a personal choking like my grandfather was and what did I do I jumped up and I did the Heimlich and it came up and he started breathing again and it's one thing for us to to pray God heal us God heal us God heal us but it's another thing altogether to avoid opportunities for God to heal us in the name of Jesus so don't say God heal me God heal me and there's technology available to like examine your spine and your condition and help like fix what's wrong and you're avoiding that how do you think all that came to be who do you think put the mind in the people who invented those things and who do you think made available the resources that medicine and science has made available to us to receive healing these days obviously God created some really brilliant people who have discovered some brilliant treatments for people who go through difficult times. And so I would say actively expect that God will heal you. So you're praying, God, heal me. And then you're going to go to the doctor. And this is kind of my attitude in it. 
I'm going to go to the doctor and I'm going to let them confirm that God healed me. Because they're going to take an ultrasound or they're going to take an x-ray or they're going to take an MRI and it's going to show a hopeless condition and I'm going to keep praying and they're going to treat me and they're going to give me medicine and whatever that looks like and then there's going to come a day where I'm expecting that I'm going to go back and they'll say, your condition's all better. Like this is a completely different x-ray now. Things are all healed. How crazy would it be to have a broken arm and go around, Lord, heal me, Lord, heal me of this broken arm, and your arm's like all disfigured when you could have gone and gotten a cast. And in eight weeks, six weeks, your arm would have been better, right? And there's people who teach in our world today that if you pursue any opportunity to receive healing outside of God, then it's a lack of faith, and therefore God's not going to heal you, almost as if it's sin to go to the doctor. In fact, I think it's stupidity not to go to the doctor, because you've got to actively expect that God's going to heal you. And you just don't know how he might do it. Can he do it from someone laying hands on you and praying? And in a moment you feel heat go through your body or whatever the testimony may be and everything's all done. Yeah, but you better go to the doctor after that. And you better ask him to confirm it. So that you can have an assurance that you've received healing. Don't, don't come to me with this. Just name it, claim it, and everything's going to be good. And if it doesn't happen, then you've got a lack of faith and you need to try harder and fix things on your part because you're not the one that brings your healing. It's Jesus. It's God. And you receive it. But it's not up to you. It's up to him. And so we believe that he can heal, but we actively expect that he will. And then number three, is we trust him if he doesn't heal us. We pray to the God that can heal us. We actively expect that he will heal us. But we trust him if he doesn't heal us. For whatever reason, if Jesus decides that healing isn't his will for our life, we trust him. And here's, here's my approach to healing. I'm going to pray to the God that can heal until there's no opportunity for him to heal. So if someone has terminal cancer, they've been given six weeks to live, I'm going to pray for God to heal that person. I'm going to actively expect that he will. And if there comes a day where they die of cancer and they're no longer a candidate for God's healing because he's already taken them, then I'm just going to trust, well, that was his way of healing them. Because if they're in his presence, then they're no longer suffering as they were in this world. And there are people who will experience a freedom from disease the moment they cross into eternity that they will have longed for while they were on this earth that they only experience in death. And I don't understand why it may happen, but I have to trust that there's a reason it does. So, if you're sick, if you're hurting, you're broken, you're damaged, the life you've been living hasn't been much of a life, and you've been dealing with issues I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is a healer. And we want to pray that God will heal you. I want to encourage you to pray to the God that can heal you. And then I want to encourage you to actively expect that he will. Don't just, don't pray prayers like, you know, God, if it's your will, please heal me. I understand it. I understand the heart of it. I understand the heart of it. But there's no expectation in that. Like, Jesus doesn't say, okay, well, if it's my will, then I will, since you said that. 
Like you need to pray, God, I know that you've healed people in scriptures. I've read over 50 accounts you've healed people. And then your disciples healed people. And I hear of people today that had the gift of healing. And I want you to heal me. I want you to take this disease. I want you to heal me. In the name of Jesus, I believe it. And I believe you can do it. And I'm going to expect that you will until I can no longer expect that you will. And then if for some reason he chooses not to, then trust him. Don't get angry. I know that you'll get confused and I know that you get weary. But we're going to stand and we're going to believe together that, that the God that can heal will heal until it's clear that he hasn't healed. And we're going to trust him. We're going to trust him. And we pray for us. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful that what you went through on that cross provided healing for me, for my dad, for everyone here who's representing someone who's sick, who's been given a bad report, who's facing a huge mountain to climb that seems unclimbable. And Father, I'm praying in your name as our healer that you would bring healing to lives even now. And I pray as we pray together that you would allow us to experience the healing that's available only through you. And we're going to actively expect it by doing everything that's at our disposal to allow you to use to bring us healing. But we're going to trust you, Lord, to bring healing. And even if you don't, We'll trust you, but I'm asking in Jesus' name that you do.